Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week in middle school, Dallas Greenaway opens up our new series, Distinct. We learned about what makes our faith distinct in a world where there are many different things that people believe. Specifically, we looked at John chapter 1 to see how Jesus is distinct from other gods and religious leaders. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, We are starting a new series. It's good to be back with you guys. I hope that uh, you got something out of Peter and JJ's messages the last couple weeks. Um, I'm really thankful for those guys and them stepping in when I was on vacay. It was nice to know that they were holding down the fort. Um, So we are starting this new series for October. It's called Distinct. Everybody say Distinct. Distinct, uh, not like what stinks, but distinct uh, meaning. What does it mean? What what does the word distinct mean? Anybody got something? Yes, Saul. He's he, this man about to do a word for word definition out of the Webster's dictionary. <laughs> All right, you're trying. You're trying too hard, Saul. Yes. What does distinct mean? Something's dead? Okay, not quite, not quite. Uh, I don't know if you're thinking another word that kind of sounds like distinct. That means dead, but not... Oh, extinct. That's probably what you're thinking. Yes, distinct. I think you're still thinking extinct, okay? Distinct. What does distinct mean? Very defined, okay? Getting closer to it. Uh, Yes, Connor? To know something? Okay, we're kind of... We're getting around to it. What does distinct mean, crew? There it is. Something is different. So maybe defined like it, 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 it looks different than other things, right? Uh, here's the dictionary definition straight from the old Google machine. It says distinct means that it is recognizably different in nature from something else of a similar type, all right? Distinct, recognizably different in nature from something else of a similar type. So it's that things are different or that people are different or that your favorite meal is different when your mom makes it or when you get it at your favorite restaurant versus when you have the lesser version of that, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. How many of you in here have a favorite meal? Like you've decided if there was one thing that I could eat the rest of my life and I could gain no weight and never lose the the flavor or the enjoyment of it, here's what it would be. Mine would be chicken Alfredo from Olive Garden, okay? Chicken Alfredo from Olive Garden uh, along with the breadsticks and the salad, okay? Olive Garden is the most legit Italian restaurant in the world more legit than every Italian restaurant in Italy. I'm, this is blasphemy against all Italians right now. But uh, I, I don't care. You can't argue with me. And that's just, that's just the facts. Chicken Alfredo from Olive Garden is the best dish that they have on the menu uh, as well. So I'll continue the, the stretch of my, of my illustration right here. But anytime I have Chicken Alfredo at Olive Garden, man, I am so satisfied. But Chicken Alfredo, here's what I know, is very different at Olive Garden compared to other places, including my own mother's dish of chicken Alfredo, all right? No other restaurant, no other mama's dish compares to the chicken Alfredo I've had. And if you, if you want me to try yours and you think that you make a better chicken Alfredo or your family makes a better chicken Alfredo, I'm willing, okay? But I don't know that it's going to be better than Olive Garden. But you can bring me some. You can bring me some tonight even, okay? I'm not going to be upset about it. But there's, there's a way that Chicken Alfredo from Olive Garden satisfies me with the, the way that they make their sauce and the way that their noodles are and just every, everything about it. I don't put any cheese on it so as not to, to taint or pollute it, right? They always ask you, do you want cheese on your, on your pasta? Nope, I don't. It's perfect just the way your chef made it tonight, okay? And every other night that I've come. But when I have it at other restaurants or I have 
have it at uh, at, at home when I'm when I'm back home with my my mom and dad. And my, if my mom tries to make it, it's just not the same, man. There's just something different. There's something set apart. There's something distinct about the way that Olive Garden makes that chicken alfredo that satisfies me in a way that other things do not, other, other methods of making chicken alfredo. And maybe you can relate. Maybe your favorite dish is tacos, or it's like uh, maybe it's a favorite pizza place, and, and that's like the only place that you want to get that, that pizza from or, or pizza period from because it's just so different. It's so distinct. Maybe you are better at recognizing the distinctive uh, sounds that come in music and like you're just a real big music buff and and you have certain songs that you like and you like them because of their distinct sound and maybe the instruments that they use or the, the lyrics are just, they're just so deeper and different from other things. There's a whole nother genre of music that you don't maybe care to listen to because it's just not your, your cup of tea. There's distinctions in us as individuals, things that make us different, the uh, length and color of our hair and the color of our eyes and the shape of our, our, our entire selves, right? Like we, we are all unique and distinct. We are different from one another. That's a big part of God's design. And there, there's a lot of other fun things that are distinct. Uh, I brought two in today, two little Lego people. My, uh, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and my boys have really gotten into Legos. In fact, so into Legos are they that my two-year-old one time ate a Lego head, and we found it in his diaper. Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you figure out how that happened, okay? But I brought in these two little Lego guys, and part of the reason Legos and, and being creative is fun is because you can, you can make things really, really distinct. So this is a little Batman Lego guy, but it's not a normal Batman because he has a pirate hook which my boys put on him. Uh, he's got a beard, a gray beard, in fact. And uh, I've never really seen Batman with a beard, as far as I know. And then he's got, if you're familiar with Ninjago, or just ninjas, period, he's got like a ninja. This is actually Lloyd's ninja bandana and some long hair uh, from Ninjago. So shout out to Ninjago fans. Then this little guy, he's got the, the torso. The upper, upper part of him is actually a, a Jedi clothes. Uh, not quite a cloak, but like a shirt that a Jedi would wear. And then he's got just normal gray pants with a little blue belt. And he's got sunglasses on, which I don't think there's any Jedi who wears sunglasses on a regular basis. Tell me if I'm wrong, Star Wars buffs. Please uh, come up to me after service and let me know where I've gone wrong. But these are just two little Lego guys who are very different. They're very distinct from each other. I think by now you can understand what the word distinct means, all right? Now, there's all kinds of other fun places and directions we could go with the word distinct. But have, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about what makes our faith distinct from other faiths? Like, what makes us, what, what makes God, what makes Jesus, what makes, what makes our faith different from what other people believe? Like, maybe you have friends who are, are Mormons and, and, or Latter-day Saints, however they want to be referred to now, and, and you hear what they're talking about, and they seem to be talking about a lot of things that are pretty similar to what we believe, but then you get to some stuff, and you're like, I don't know if I really get on board with that. If you really start to talk to them about some of the things that they, they believe, what makes us different as Christians from from those, those people? What makes us different from Jews who we see uh, a lot of Jewish people in the scriptures, right? In fact, God's, God's people were, were the Jews. Um, and, and what makes us different from them? What makes us different from people who follow Islam and believe uh, in the teachings of this guy named Muhammad or who are Buddhist and they follow this guy that wore a big old diaper, right? His name is Buddha. And what, what makes us different? All these Seemingly well-meaning people, they have all these different beliefs. What makes us and what we believe different or distinct from those other faiths? And today we're really talking about uh, 
What makes our God different? What makes Jesus distinct from these other gods and, and things that people believe in? So if you will, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and as it's hard to do it with one hand, my goodness. Um, John chapter 1, John is a book of the Bible. It's often referred to as one of the four Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the book of John was written, John even tells us this towards the end of the book. He says that all of these things were written so that you would believe in Jesus. Here's the short answer to what makes our faith distinct or our faith different from other faiths. It is Jesus. And now we're going to get to why, what makes Jesus different from all the other gods, right? But the short answer is that it's Jesus, and John is trying to help us see through this entire book that he's written um, that Jesus really was who he said he was. And if you, if you see that and if you believe it, then you'll start to see what really makes him distinct from other, other faiths, other beliefs. And John's hope was that as you read about all these stories from Jesus' life, and as you saw just how distinctly different he was that you might trust in him and believe in him and give your life to him and see him change your life from the inside out. So John, he was one of Jesus's closest friends when Jesus walked the earth here. He was one of the disciples of Jesus. John, he wrote the book. It's kind of funny because uh, at, at different times, there's this disciple that's referred to as the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is kind of like if you were to write a book about your family and, you know, let's just say you have other brothers and sisters in your house and you, you always refer to yourself as the one my parents loved, right? And then all your other brothers and sisters or however many you have, it was just like their name was just written there, right? That's kind of how John did in, in this book, in the book of John, which is kind of funny to me. Um, but we do know that him and Jesus had a, a really tight tight bond, tight relationship. So we're going to read in John chapter 1, we're going to read the first 18 verses and stop along the way as we do. And we're going to see what exactly makes Jesus distinct from uh, Allah, who the Muslims uh, follow, or from uh, Buddha and his teachings. Like, what, what makes Jesus different? What makes him so distinct? Here's what John says. Here's how he begins his book. It says, in the beginning was the Word, notice the capital W there, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life that was the light, uh, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can, or has not overcome it. Sorry, stumbling over my words here. So in the beginning was the word. This word translated to the original language uh, that the book of John was written in, which was Greek. This word, the Greek word is logos. Everybody say logos. Logos. And John, as he's saying, hey, in the beginning was the word or in the beginning was logos. Here's how his original hearers or readers would have understood it. The Jewish people would have said, oh, the logos, of course, that's like that's the power of God. That's what uh, God literally used words to speak everything into existence. We're very familiar with that. In fact, not only did they believe, hey, the earth was created through the words of God, the logos, the power of God through words. Uh, but they, they took that and said, hey, so words must be incredibly important. It's like all their, all their deals, all their, their packs, all their, uh, they, they didn't do it by handshaking. They did it with words. Like your word is your bond. It's incredibly important. Marriages were sealed by words and, and uh, friendships were, were built and, and, 
and stood on, on the backs of people's words. Words were extremely important, and if people broke their word in Jewish culture, it was a really, really big deal. So Jewish people would have said, yeah, that's right. The word was with God. In fact, that's what, what, that's what God used to speak everything into existence. So they kind of would have been tracking in, in some way, shape, or form. But then the Greeks, who were people who were not Jewish people, they were more like more Gentiles is, is a term that's used for Greek people in the scriptures. They would have heard, oh, the logos. Yeah, you mean like this force that originally created everything. Logos, we believe in the logos. See, the Greeks didn't really believe in like, hey, there was one God at the beginning of everything and that he created it. But they did kind of believe there, there had to be some sort of force, some sort of like cosmic energy that created everything. And so the Jews and the Greeks would have been tracking at first, and they would have said, oh, yeah, the, the logos, the power, or the Greeks would have said that thing that created everything. Uh, they also thought about it as like the reason or the mind of God. This like, again, just kind of this great being that we can't quite understand, but is in some way, shape, or form in control and created everything. Both Jews and Greeks would have been tracking at first. But then John starts to say something kind of weird. He says, oh yeah, the word was in the beginning. Yeah, we can all agree on that. But then he says, the word was actually with God. And then he says, the word was God. So it seems like John's saying something different than what people have believed for hundreds, thousands of years even. John's saying there's something about this word that nobody quite understands yet, but you're about to, to get. That, that this word, this power was with God and that it, that it was God. And then John starts to refer to the word or this logos as he. So it's a being. It's a, it's a, a person, a personality. Like it's, it's something but that was with God, but also was God. So it's not, it's like separate, but not separate. It's, what are you doing, John? Where are you going with this? And then John says, hey, that word, that's actually the thing that every human needs. He says it's the light. It's the light of man. It's, it's the one who can actually do away with all darkness on this earth. And doesn't that kind of get us excited? Like, man, we know the, the dark thoughts that we have. We know the things that we wrestle with. We know the pain and the struggle of everyday life. We know about things like anxiety and depression. And we know the brokenness of our families. All of those things are the darkness. And John says, hey, that word, he's also the light and the life. And his light can break through all of the darkness. And his life can be offered, we're going to see in just a minute, to Anyone who is willing to accept it. Okay, well, this is kind of making me think a little bit different about this word, this, this logos. It's making me realize, okay, it's, it's a person. It's more than I thought it was. The original readers would have been thinking. But so, so who is it, John? Like, what are, you, what are you getting at? What are you getting at? What are you trying to tell us? Verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, so about this life and this logos, this word, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So, side note, this is also kind of part of what we've been called to, to be, right? Messengers, telling people, pointing people to whoever this word is. Maybe I'm already giving it away, who the word is. But John, it wasn't the same John who wrote the book of John. I know that can be kind of confusing. But this guy that, that's being talked about in verse 6 and 7, that is John the Baptist, okay? He came onto the scene, and he was pointing to and again, maybe you already know where we're going, but to who the word is, right? 
who's saying, hey, I'm not the word, I'm not the light, I'm not the life that we all need, but he's coming. So he's pointing to him. So who is this? Like, we, we, we want to know. The true light, verse 9, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So get this. The word wasn't just like there in the beginning and present and wasn't just with God and is God and like all those kind of, how do we wrap our mind around that? But the word was actually at some point going to come into the world. Whoa. Whoa. But when he came, people wouldn't accept him. At least some people, a lot of people would not accept him. But those who do, those who do accept him, says verse 11, he came to his own and, and his own people did not receive him, but to all those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So th- this, this word, this logos, this light, this life, it's not just some distant being, John says, but it's someone who's coming to the world and not just to like, just to shake it up and burn everything down and do away with everything, but he's coming to make a way so that you and I can be with God. Remember, because he was there in the beginning, he knows God, he was with God. In fact, he is God. That's crazy. That's wild. And if, apparently, if we are to believe in him, then we can know God and have right relationship with him as well. That his light can do away with our darkness and his life can now in some way be ours. So who is this word? Maybe you already know. Maybe you've read these verses before. You're like, well, well, we kind of already said it at the beginning of the message and you'd be right. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So not only did this being come to earth, but he actually came as one of us. He didn't just come to say, hey, look at me in all my glory, but he came and put on flesh. One of my favorite translations when it comes to this verse is from the message version. If you've ever read the message version, you know how fun it can be. Here's what it says, is that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, right? This being, this all-powerful, almighty, was there at the very beginning. Everything he saw was created. In fact, he played a part in creating it, and everything was created for him, through him, by him, all that kind of stuff. This being came and put on flesh in our world today. It would be like if me, who created these little Lego characters, right, if I, the master creator, if you will, if I put on Lego, put on brick, and came into their little world, right? Imagine I've created this entire world of Legos and just cities for as far as the eye can see. And the little Lego people, they love it. They're enjoying being in the world and, you know, everything's not great. Every now and then a head pops off, right? Like all these crazy things. That's really maybe morbid and graphic. I'm sorry if that hurts you. But there's all this, they know it. Like the world's great, but it's not perfect because things get broken. People can literally come apart, their limbs and all this stuff. But then, for some reason, me, as the the master builder, the one who's put this all together, I choose, because I want what's best for these little Lego people, I choose to step into that world 
where there's a lot of brokenness that they don't quite know how to put back together or they can't do it because their hands only go in certain shapes and directions, right? And imagine if, if I stepped into their world to fix what was broken or at least offer them a path towards it. That's crazy. But that's what this being has done for us. He puts on flesh. Who is this being? Come on, let's get to it. John bore witness, verse 15, about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he comes after me, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given, here it comes, through Moses. Grace and truth, the life, the light, the word, all these things came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but Jesus has made him known. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is Logos. Jesus is the one who was there in the very beginning, who was playing a part in creating everything. Have you ever thought about that? This one who history books do not argue anymore whether or not Jesus, there was a man named Jesus who actually lived and, and did the things that we read about in, in the scriptures. Now they may argue like, was that really a miracle, blah, 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 blah. But there was a man named Jesus who lived. And here's what makes it distinct for us as Christians when we talk about Jesus, the one that we follow versus Muhammad or versus Buddha or versus wh whoever it is that you want to throw out there. Jesus was not just a man. He was fully man and he was fully God. God, who was there in the beginning, who is the light and does have all of the life that we could ever hope for or dream of, that God put on flesh and came to us so that we might have life, so that we might have relationship with God. You might say, well, what's the big deal? Like, you know, the Buddha's got his way of telling us how to have life, and Muhammad had his way, and the Mormon people think what, what they think about, about that. What's, what's so different? None of these other people were God. Buddha didn't claim to be God. He just claimed to have a way. Muhammad didn't claim to be God. He just had some weird visions. All of these Hindu uh, gods that they worship, and they have hundreds of them. It's pretty crazy. In the Hindu religion, none of them came to earth in the form of man just like Jesus. Jesus is distinct. He's set apart. He's different. Why is that so important for you and for me? Because if he really is God and he really was there in the beginning and he really did come to earth with all that we need for life and life abundant, then there really is a way, not just through somebody's fancy words or not just through somebody's fancy teachings. Jesus was more than just a good teacher. He was more than just a good man. He was God. The only one who can ever truly change our hearts is the one who created them. And it wasn't Buddha. It wasn't Muhammad. It wasn't a long list of things. It's God himself who came in the flesh and the flesh that he took on, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. That's what makes us distinct. It's Jesus and that's what makes Jesus distinct is that he was fully God and fully man. And again, why does that matter to you? Because if you put your faith and your trust in him, then man, oh man, he gives you a new heart. He gives you a new life. He gives you new motivations. He gives you new purpose. He gives you new, new insight and new lenses to see the world through. And that's where life change happens. 
And don't we need it in our broken world? All the things that are messed up and messy and icky and things that we don't even want to think about because it stresses us out or causes us pain, Jesus came to make a way to navigate through all of that and to do away eventually with all of it. That's why Jesus is distinct. That's why Jesus is different. That's why I believe in him. Do you? Have you put your faith and trust in the Jesus who is different than all the other religions that many of you have friends who follow? I pray that some of you will, even as we go through the series, maybe you will today. And if you've already put your faith and your trust in this one who is different, who is distinct, guess what? Now we get to follow not John, well, in some ways, John that wrote this, this book, but John the Baptist, who we just read about, was here to say, hey, it's not me. Life's not about me. It's about this guy. It's about Jesus. It's about this God who is different, who is distinct. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for, for John and his account and his way of, of showing us, maybe confusing at first, but as we start to dig into it and realize what he's saying, that man, oh man, if this is true, then it changes everything. It changes everything about us, about the world, about how we view the world and interact with it. So God, I, I just pray that the reality of, of who your son Jesus is, he's fully God, fully man. He's the only one who could save us from our sins, and give us a new heart from the inside out. I pray that that would start to to shape us and mold us, humble us, bring us to places of submission in our lives. Change us, God. Even today, even this week. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.